unique positioning that Locker has is that we are the only solution in market that is not at odds with publishers, brands, and retailers. And that's why we're going to market through partnering. Welcome to The Marketing Report, a podcast created for and by marketing professionals who seek to better understand their consumers and design unique, personalized experiences that stand out in today's market. In each episode, hosts from Verisk Marketing Solutions connect you to industry thought leaders, practitioners, and experts focused on improving B2C experiences through powerful data-driven insights. It's about how we connect with our consumers and where we can partner together to do it better. This is The Marketing Report. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Veris Marketing Solutions podcast series, The Marketing Rapport. My name is Corey Davis. I oversee the MarTech, AdTech, Media category uh, and industry here at Veris Marketing Solutions at VMS. The show is where we interview uh, executives, both marketers at enterprise brands and those in media and ad tech that support those brands. And so very, very excited today to have an old friend, calling your friend, an old friend, Keith Petrie. Keith is CEO and founder of Locker. Locker is a universal digital identity solution for tomorrow's consumer that is congruent with the internet economy. The first product, Locker Mail, is a pre-filtering solution for email, providing users with a public-facing email address that they can use securely across the web. So we're going to talk about that a lot here in a minute. Prior to Locker, Keith was a key senior leader for Screen6, cross device ID management solution that sold to Sama TV. Earlier in his career, he was a key leader of eDelia that was acquired by Human Demand, which was later acquired by Ignition One. Very excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Excited to be here. Very uh old friend in the industry and now surrounded by a lot of new friends at what Verisk is, is putting together over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So to get us started, I guess, can you give the audience a little bit more depth specifically on your, on your background, on your, on your career, these steps along the way and, and how, you, how you landed at Locker? Yeah, Corey, you did a pretty good job of highlighting my, my career path there, but to take it back a bit further, in, in one way or another, I focus my entire career around persistent identifiers for consumers, whether that's across browsers, operating systems, and, and various other connected devices. So similar to yourself, I presume, I did not major in ad tech in college, but I was obsessed with quantifying myself, whether it was number of flights per year, my, my weight, my workouts, sleep, et cetera. And so that focus on my own personal data led me to understand the potential of consumer data and how it may or may not have impacts on, on business objectives. And so a lot of that led towards focusing on what business objectives could be achieved. And a lot of them were focused on demand generation. And so given the time frame of me entering the workforce, it, I landed there during the first of many years of mobile. I think we're still nice. in it. Not sure. And so uh, myself and some partners at Idelia, uh, we were based in Israel. We focused on building out the first mobile DMP. 
And long story short, we would work with developers to deploy an SDK to gather insights on their users. We did this without interrupting user experience. And we also acted as a means of monetization for publishers. We were acquired by Human Demand, which was a mobile DSP and a client of ours. And that was later integrated into Ignition One. That's where I really first began connecting mobile data with desktop cookies and even the early days of CTV platforms as well. I focused on building out that connectivity internally at Ignition One across all of our products. But I quickly realized that we needed a more robust solution. That's when I began testing all the players that were around at that time and some of which are still around today. Everything from TapAd to Drawbridge, AdBrain, Crosswise, Blue Kava, Parable, you name it. I tested it. And long story short, when I came across a small team and a very unique approach to the cross-device conundrum that all DSPs, SSPs, and platforms were facing at the time, there was instant understanding that this was the right solution. And that was a company called Screen6 based in the Netherlands that was early on in, in its story. And I immediately jumped shipped and, ship and knew that it was the right place for me to me to go. And we brought that product to market and we exited that business in December of 2018 to Samba TV. So I guess long story short, it's over a decade of me focusing on the ever-changing environment of tracking consumers for profiling and targeting, frequency capping, and you know, attributing all marketing efforts. Nice. And so then somewhere, I guess, talk to me about Locker and I guess when did you start Locker? Let's start with that. So, I mean, going into the precipice of Locker, it really started marinating when GDPR was first impacting clients of Screen Six. That does not mean I, I acted on those instincts, but that's when it started being an idea that was morphing in, in my head. But post acquisition, after doing my stint at Samba early on in the pandemic, that's when I, I really started focusing on it. Got it. And Locker is a universal digital identity solution. So there are certainly lots of identity solutions. We can, we can definitely talk about that if you'd like, but give the audience a, a quick sense of, of where specifically you know, the business comes from, what it is today and where it's going. Yeah. So I'll give a bit of context and then I'll make it very, very tangible because it is a bit confusing because Locker has multiple stakeholders. It is a consumer product first and foremost. So we'll get to that in a second, but given my prior experience with an EU-based company, the early adoptions of privacy legislation in the region, as I just mentioned, I was really well-versed in this concept of self-sovereign data control and ownership. So the adoption both domestically and abroad of regulation has really created a cat and mouse approach, and it's really created a perfect ruse for Apple and others to build up even higher walls around their garden. So underneath this lovely guise of privacy, Apple has depreciated cookies with iOS 11 and ITP, blocked device IDs with iOS 14 and ATT, Manipulated IP addresses by introducing private relay, and Google has already followed suit uh, with a native integration of a VPN on top of all of its hardware in the past month. And as a result, the entire industry of ad tech and martech is focused on matching 
consumer PII. Uh, and that's primarily focused on email address, the vast majority of those businesses. And and I know that with your background and, and Verisk's focus, this is front and center, and it is very important. So there are other efforts in market, whether that's the Trade Desk UID2, Live Ramp ATS, Pre-Bid One Key, and then every data clean room, whether it's Habu, Optimal, Infosum, Snowflake, Experian, I, I could go on. The issue is, is that the industry is expecting the world to behave like an economic student does. And that's, you know, in a completely logical and within the confines of whatever variables we want to include or not include. No one suspected that the consumer would have an equal and opposite reaction to being forced to provide their email everywhere in their lives. Like, it's not only to access content anymore, but just think about your day-to-day life, maybe grabbing coffee on the way to the office. There's no more loyalty punch card at the local coffee shop. You have to provide your email address. It's digital, and they're creating a customer record on you, let alone accessing you know, content or even e-commerce sites. The, the chair behind me, my wife sent me a link to it on Wayfair.com, and I was not able to look at the chair, the colors it came in, or the fabrics that were offered without authenticating and creating an account. I mean, it's the equivalent of giving your license when you enter any store on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. So we're really left with two distinct challenges here. A, I mean, since the introduction of, you know, various quote unquote privacy enhancing features, uh, all identifiers that provide the backbone of, of the internet are depreciated now. So publishers, brands, retailers, they're all increasingly requiring emails. And as a result, the adoption of machine-generated emails, that's our term for Apple Hide My Email, Cloaked, Firefox Relay, et cetera, they're all growing quickly. And this shift has really resulted in publishers losing upwards of 70% of their revenue due to the inability to identify site visitors. Now, B, concurrently, users are inundated with promotional emails from brands that they don't engage with. And the current products in market offer privacy, but no controls for inbox management. So for example, you'll always want to receive your shipping updates from an e-commerce store, but you might not want their weekly newsletters. And so it's this conundrum of, of the consumer wanting to partake in the open and free internet and brands, publishers, retailers, and obviously every identity provider wanting them to authenticate. But that there needs to be a middle ground here and, and nobody's really built that tool. So what the hell is Locker? That's what you asked. Locker has two products, a business product and a consumer product. And in conjunction, they solve for the shift in advertising and the consumer demands of privacy and control. On the consumer side, our current product, Locker Mail, is a persistent, publicly facing email address that forwards to the user's primary inbox. So the user can accept, block, filter messages, all based off of who that sender and who that business is. On the business side, we have a product called Identity Locker, and it's a consumer-consented identity solution that offers free email verification for publishers. So what we do is we help the publisher weed out machine-generated emails so that they can maintain a complete profile of the consumer without being disrespectful of that consumer's inbox. It's a free suite of APIs that we offer publishers. We don't want them accepting any machine-generated emails only only usable email addresses, what we call true authentication. Got it. Okay. Seems like that's a really large market opportunity that also has tons of constituents, the never-ending challenge of education of the consumer 
being the heart of that challenge. So how does Locker solve for all of that? That seems like a lot of work is what I'm saying. How are you planning to solve for all that? Yeah. Okay. So I'll separate it down into like, it's a lot of work and then there's a number of different stakeholders. So in terms of the work, we have tens of thousands of users and we're scaling and our consumer product is currently and will always be our main priority. However, we never intended on entering the market and acquiring millions of users directly. And that's where our focus kind of is shifting in 2023. And that's our publisher solutions. So as we were briefly touching on the identity locker, it's a free suite of APIs that perfectly complement any publisher's authentication efforts in the market today. So whether they're focusing on subscriber marketing or programmatic revenue, et cetera, whether they're working with UID2, LiveRamp, Verisk, or any data clean room, we complement those efforts. So we block machine-generated emails at the point of collection, and that's when the publisher still has the ability to re-engage and collect a usable email address for that visitor. And in addition to that, we respect the right to consent and control personal data and communication preferences for our users. So that's the two sides of the marketplace that, that we have. In terms of the stakeholders, the conversations across these stakeholders are very different. We have three main stakeholders that Locker as a company speaks to on a, on a daily basis. Those are consumers, publishers, and partners. And so there's a need to simplify this messaging and also have like a very slow and methodical plan of building upon the offering that we have over time. And that's especially true for the end user. I mean, this is not uh, the first time that this has been said, but we need to educate the market. So... Diving into the consumer, if you told the average internet user today that they could control their own identity, consent, and data, it probably wouldn't resonate, and it certainly wouldn't be an immediately understood, tangible product without any further explanation. It's a lengthy discussion. So that's why Locker Mail is positioned publicly in market today as straightforward an email productivity tool. This is purely to provide an immediate utility and be integrated in the, in the daily life of the consumer and prove valuable out of the gate. It also happens to act as like a very strong foundation for more important features in the future, like consent and data provisioning. This is completely controlled by the user. We just don't expose those current options on the front end today. And we don't confuse or conflate those options to our users at all. Now, to clarify, Locker does not own any of our consumer data today, nor in the future. We are just the mechanism to empower each individual consumer to make his or her own decisions. That's the first stakeholder. Publishers, you know, these conversations are really straightforward based off of the current market trends right now. The vast majority of publishers are focused on first-party data, and I focus on asking them if they've verified the utility of that email address they're collecting across all the registration points today. So if they're collecting abc123 at appleid.com, well, that's a machine-generated email, and it's not, quote-unquote, in demand by any buyers. And it's also not a valuable identifier in their data set. When they pass that email address, whether raw, hash, et cetera, to yourself or UID2 or ATS, it's going to create a new record, but it will not match with any buyer's audience. So there's no premium paid to deliver an impression to this more or less anonymous visitor. Like, yes, there's a UID2 attached to it. Yes, there's a, there's a ramp ID attached to it, but it doesn't exist anywhere else. It hasn't been seen anywhere else. 
So identifying that machine-generated email at the point of registration is akin to that publisher not allowing a visitor on their site with an active ad blocker in their browser. So Locker's APIs enables the publisher to identify and rectify this data collection at the appropriate point of time, and that's real time. And then lastly, and this is really a prime example of it, this, this podcast right here is, is Partners. So these are companies like Verisk and other identity platforms that rely on clean data to optimize match rates. So for example, there's a lot of Verisk partners were receiving registrations from machine-generated emails. Match rates would suffer. So the input lists from the buyer and the seller might appear large, but ABC at Mailinator does not match 123 at Lunar Mail you know, two primary examples in the market today. And that transaction would fail, even if both of those email addresses belong to me, Keith. So we're partnering informally with companies like these identity platforms to help educate the market on this new hurdle that we really all face as an industry. You know, the only company that wins if Apple hide my email addresses continue to gain adoption by users I mean, you you can guess who wins if that occurs. That's the second time you call them out in tracking this. So Google and Apple versus Locker. Is that fair? Google has not thrown their hat in the ring here yet in terms of a consumer-facing product. That does not mean that I do not suspect that there will be more players in this space. Okay. It sounds like a huge, it's a, it seems like a huge market need. It seems like it could be a very, very large business. You're sort of startling now, right? And so the, the focus is kind of, sounds like exclusively or mostly on the consumer product. Um, what are, because as you look around the corner, like what are the next mentioned consent, data provisioning, things like that? But, but I guess what are the big things that you're that you're looking at on the consumer product to try to solve for, you know, further out? Yes. So the consumer is always top of mind, as I like saying internally, they are our first priority, our second priority, and our third priority. That doesn't mean that we are not cognizant of the pre-existing infrastructure of the entire internet and advertising and, and marketing environments. And so with that being said, I actually think that's the best opportunity for Locker. And what I mean by that is there are other consumer tools for email productivity, and there will continue to be other email tools for productivity, let alone other identity tools as well, single sign-on options and so forth. And the unique positioning that Locker has is that we are the only solution in market that is not at odds with publishers, brands, and retailers. And that's why we're going to market through partnering. I mean, the industry today is almost blindly walking in this direction and not just smaller players that, you know, we would throw in the bucket of, of standard programmatic, you know, big tech companies. I mean, the addition of Google and Amazon lately 
to the list of companies providing matching of consumer consented PII, it, it genuinely just solidifies the way in which the industry is interpreting the proposed legislation across the U.S. at the state level and, and enacted a law abroad. The humorous part and the missing piece here is that all this new regulation puts restrictions and responsibilities with companies, but the essence of the law and the motivations are to empower the individual. And, and no one except for Locker is approaching the opportunity from the perspective of the consumer. I mean, let's just look at an example. Uh, consent management platforms are more or less lawyers protecting the enterprise from the ever-changing landscape of regulation. On the opposite side of that transaction today, you have an individual, let's just say John Smith, and John's representing himself. John is not a lawyer. He is not a privacy enthusiast, and he's just an average day internet browser. That's the equivalent of John going to people's court. And I don't know about you, but when I get a speeding ticket, I pay for a lawyer who specializes in the local legislation and understands my rights as a citizen and knows how to partake in the infrastructure of the court system. So a true CMP, let's just define that and be really, let's articulate this clearly. A true CMP, a consent management platform, consent, keyword, would act on behalf of the consumer. So I have in, in passing referred to Locker Mail and our future suite of products as a consumer consent management platform. There needs to be a different level, a CCMP. I don't know. That's a, we don't need more acronyms. At least that one's four letters, not three. But, uh, you know, Locker complements a lot of the, the moves by these larger big tech companies and is the only one that's truly building to the, the letter of the law, which means it's consumer first. And that's what's missing. Got it. Love it. You... Seem like you have a lot going on. A lot of work ahead of you outside of locker. And like, I mean, like outside of work, when you find yourself you know, spending your time on kind of what are you, what are you reading, watching, listening to, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm a founder. Yes, there's a lot going on, but I certainly do not subscribe to hustle culture. So you do need to unplug and have hobbies and passions, et cetera. So, I find that the only real way for me to re-energize is to practice something that takes like 100% of my focus. And, and I do that in, in a few different ways. I mean, I love trail running. I know that you're a runner yourself. I have a lot of house projects since moving outside of the city uh, during COVID. And I also love photography. But to, to really give a tangible example of like why trail running, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but I know that you, you run, uh, I believe you yeah. run on road a lot. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. when I run on the road, I'm, I'm still in like full work mode. I'm brainstorming marketing ideas. I'm, you know, tweaking our pitch decks and thinking of new product features. And I enjoy that and it is productive, but that's, that's not disconnecting. So trail running really requires me to like, not just be physically there, but also mentally there as well. Like I know where my foot will fall for the next 10 steps in advance. And I'm memorizing the trail, paying attention to how the ground feels and constantly being aware of my surroundings. So 
yeah, I need to completely immerse myself in something. And I, I do enjoy that quite a bit. Okay, wait, now I, now I kind of go down a rabbit hole. Wait, so you're saying trail running is more an escape than road running. This has nothing to do with data or identity or locker. More of an escape because you might trip on a route. Is that basically why? Is that what you're saying? Because you need to mentally prepare. I can zone out and think of work when I'm running on a road or a surface that I do not need to pay attention to. I mean, I've only done the trail running a few times, and but I never really thought about it that way. You're totally right. No, I mean, I live in Chicago, so there's not really a lot of trails. That's a little here. harder. Out there in the woods, wherever you are, upstate New York, wherever. I'm um, in the cat skills. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So lots of lots of trail running, home projects, et cetera. What else? Anything else? Those are the big ones? Those are the big ones. Got it. Okay. And then I guess lastly, what can the audience go to, to learn more about and connect with you specifically and then learn more about, about Locker? Yeah. I mean, in terms of Locker, our corporate website is, we had to be fancy, you know, as a young startup, uh, loc.kr. So as, as short as possible, and we lost the E along the way. So loc.kr. Uh, you can sign up for a Locker Mail account today uh, and streamline your inbox, use automated filters. It is the holiday season when we're recording this, so it's a it's a big email t- time of year. You can just go to LockerMail.com, and again, that's no E in Locker. Uh, and then my email is Keith at LOC.KR, or, you know, where Corey and I banter all day long, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Keith E. Petrie, P-E-T-R-I. So I'm very easily found as somebody who focuses on on consumer data i very much believe in control and not necessarily privacy so i am very public okay all right keith petrie thank you for for joining the show audience we will see you next time thanks for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the marketing report this show is brought to you by Verisk marketing solutions an organization created to help CMOs and their partners improve the reach, timing, relevance, and compliance of every consumer engagement. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to The Marketing Report wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for more information.